The countdown is on to fight time. This is Big Fight Weekend. Now, here is your host, TJ Reeves. Back in once again here as the summer rolls on, so too do we here on the only real stop you need to get ready for the fights on the weekend. In this case, a couple of fight cards in Southern California that we'll be previewing as the show goes on, including he's back, Ryan Garcia, back in the Golden Boy DAZN main event in Los Angeles this weekend in a fight that was supposed to be made a year ago with Javier Fortuna, the veteran. The top lightweight contender in the WBC, or at least one of them, it's always tough to sort out, is back in the ring. Will he get a title shot upcoming? We'll find out. We'll get into all of that. We've got news. We've got we've got a special guest coming. And, of course, we've got the insight of our content partner, our insider on BigFightWeekend.com. Hello again, Dan Rayfield. Good to be back with you as we get ready for another weekend of fights. How are things, sir? Things are good. Ready to go. Looking forward to the uh... – Looking forward to seeing Ryan Garcia back in action for, uh, you know, for the for the first time in in a, a year in which he'll have two fights mm-hmm. since 2019. How about that? Yeah, because of the pandemic year problems last year with mental health issues and the hand injury. So he is back and we look forward to talking uh, more about him a little bit later on in the podcast. Uh, we mentioned again, however you found us, wherever you found us, thank you for doing so whether that is uh, through a social media link on the Big Fight Weekend website, uh, Dan's Substack, Fight Freaks Unite, substack.com. It, however you found us, make sure you're following and subscribing. Great content on this Big Fight Weekend podcast feed. This preview is always out on Fridays, usually in the morning time, ready to go for the weekend. Fight Freaks Unite recap off the weekend, and then we get other content in there as well. Uh, for example, we, we mixed up all the heavyweight uh, banter and conversation uh, with Sean and with David Payne from over in England on the topheavyweights.com podcast. You got that automatically this week if you were following and subscribing. So please continue to do so. A couple more housekeeping things. Our man, we put this out on social media. Our man, Homer, who was the contest winner for the Tyson Holyfield one hat. We got him the hat. He took a social media photo, put it out there. Good job, Homer. I'm saying publicly on the podcast. Very nicely done, and he is living proof that if you follow the directions here, rate and review the podcast, you got a chance to win items. We're bribing you, right, Dan Rayfield? you got a chance to win items from us right now I, this summer. Listen, I look at it as like we're also sharing the wealth of our fellow boxing fans. That's correct. And everybody, and you, I don't know about you, but if they know me, they know i got a shitload of boxing material, <laughs> and some of it I've got some duplicates of. And that's why for our next contest, we've got one of those posters going up for the winner. So all you've got to do is rate us or review us right now. And in fact, if you rated us or reviewed us in January, in a, I'm sorry, in June to start with, or to this point, all the way through the next week or two here, rate us or review us. Give us a five-star rating or review right now on Apple Podcasts if you've not done so. And you're going to get a chance to win the Undisputed Lightweight uh, title poster from the fight in Melbourne, Australia back uh, now, what, about 60 days ago, won by Devin Haney. Uh, my man Rayfield's got extra fight posters, and he's being benevolent here. You're going to get uh, one of the fight posters uh, from that fight. We will send that to you. We will get that taken care of. So if you rate us and review us, send us a screenshot of that. Tag Dan, tag Big Fight Weekend so that we can see it. We'll draw someone at random later in this month to win the fight poster. It's that simple, Dan. It gets no simple. no easier. No By the way, it's more simple doing that than it was for me to acquire them in the first place. 
but you are you are very adept. He is very <laughs> he's very good at being able to get these. You'll get it a lot easier from us. Rate and review the podcast. And again, thank you to the thousands and thousands and thousands of you that have been finding us on this podcast feed. Continue to share it out. Continue to rate and review. And again, we're making it worth your while. All right, some news of the week, some different things uh, to discuss. They did make it official with Jake Paul and Haseem Rahman with the news conference. Uh, that's no surprise. The fight is still virtually a month away, August 6th, Madison Square Garden. Interesting on the weight clause. That was a big topic coming off of that press conference. Dan, what do you make of that when Rachman has fought as a heavyweight and has fought, I believe I have this correct, at no less than at least 220 pounds? It may be less than no less than 225 pounds. No, he's he's fought in the he, I think his lowest has been around 211, 212, 211. Okay. Like that. But recently, it hasn't been below 220 recently, but he's agreeing to go down in weight. There's a rehydration clause. Tell us more because Jake Paul's not a 220-pound fighter. No. So tell us more. Correct. No, I mean, look, I mean, this is something that happens when you're the A side and you can dictate certain things and you're taking a gamble, which he is against Rockman Jr., um, who is a bigger guy than Tommy Fury, which was the original opponent before Tommy um, pulled out for his different issues. And so Rockman, he wanted the fight. That was part of the deal. Now he said at the press conference that he's been walking around, you know, 218, 217. He's got plenty of time to lose uh, that weight. And so the way that the clause worked, and I wrote about this, I think I broke that to be honest with you, is that the contract is for the fight to be at 200 pounds. That's what they have to weigh uh, maximum at the weigh-in on the day before the fight, which is still heavier than Jake has been fighting at his professional fights thus far have been contracted at like, you know, in the high 180s, maybe 190, maybe 192 or something like that. The point is never at 200. So that is an accommodation to the bigger guy and to get the right opponent. But there is a rehydration clause, which calls for the two boxers to weigh in on the day of the fight at 12 p.m. Uh, Eastern time. And neither one of them can be more than 214 pounds. Obviously not an issue for Jake Paul, right. who I don't think has ever been uh, you know, certainly not close to that in terms of his weight, you know, when he's getting ready for the fight. So it's hard to believe he's going to put on that much weight after the, after the weigh-in. And by the way, I'm not even sure he's going to touch 200 at the weigh-in. That's the maximum. He can weigh in at 195, 194, right. whatever. Uh, so Rockman, he can, he can pack on 14 pounds. Um, and that's just the way it is. I mean, it, you know, I look at it like this, people bitch and moan about weight clauses all the time. You know, it, it, there's no one holding a gun to anybody's head in these negotiations to do that. I mean, it's it's something that's been going on for a long time in, in these types of fights. Um, you know, Manny Pacquiao, Antonio Margarito for the junior middleweight title. The contract weight for a 154-pound championship fight was 150 pounds, which Antonio Margarito made. And Manny Pacquiao weighed in like 144 for the fight. He was a you know, under the welterweight limit and won the junior middleweight. If top. I'm not mistaken, didn't Canelo have a similar rehydration thing with Dimitri Bivol because he was moving up? Didn't he have a similar no, thing? To my, re to my knowledge on the okay. Bivol, there was no. What, am I, Canelo thinking, has what had, am I thinking of? Wasn't there a recent one, a famous bigger, bigger fight? I, I don't remember exactly. This. Canelo not, has my had, point is it's not uncommon. This is actually a fairly correct. common thing. Canelo has had rehydration things in contracts in the past, but it's certainly not common. And B, it wasn't the case for, I don't believe it was the case for the Kovalev fight or the Bivol fight, which are the two fights that he had at the light heavyweight uh, limit. Um, so people are going to moan about it. But, you know, look, nobody held a gun to Rockman's head. And uh, that's life. And by the way, he's a heavyweight. He's still going to be a heavyweight. You know, 
I, I laugh when you, if you weigh 200 pounds and you're a heavyweight and you can put on 14 pounds, hardly something you should be concerned about at that stage. That's the way I look yeah, at and, it. And, and yeah, physiology would tell you he's going to have a real challenge, is he not, to get down to 200 pounds in the next three or four weeks here. And then it would be, I agree, ridiculous and almost reckless to try to put on more than 10 or 15 pounds within 24 hours of the fight anyway. How lethargic right. are you going to be? I mean, that's that's it's almost crazy that that would be. The, so, I think the bigger challenge is him getting down to 200 pounds. That's going to be a challenge to get down to that, yeah. I think, but I, but I don't know fully what I'm talking about here. Maybe he's according to his, like according to the kid and to his know. people yeah, that he's, again, he's been walking around in the, in the mid two teens, couple of hard workouts. You're down right. under two ten. Okay. So then you got to put the work in that'll, the, the hard work is going to be like the last, you know, seven or eight pounds hard, but guys do it all the time, not just in boxing, uh, in heavyweight boxing, but in all weight classes. So, I personally think it's much ado about nothing. Uh, we'll find out. What did you make? And then we'll move on, I promise. Rockman Sr. at the news conference on Tuesday is basically blasting his son with him standing right there saying, he hasn't trained hard. He hasn't fought that well. I'm paraphrasing here. What I mean, is that motivation? Is that I think just it is. sour grapes? What is that? I think he's trying to light a fire, fire under his son who acknowledged that he hasn't always trained at his best or been as prepared as he should be for his fights, in particular, his most recent fight, which was the first loss of his career. And listen, you know, I go back along, I go back 20 plus years with Hasim Rockman senior. I've known rock forever. He's, I mean, putting aside his, his stint as heavyweight champion and as a longtime contender, like I know rock on a personal basis to a degree for a very long time. And one thing about Hasim Rockman senior that has not changed since the day I have met him and uh, recently saw him again for the first time in a few years when I spent some time with him in Las Vegas. He was at the Devin Haney media workout the day uh, of or before the Canelo Bebo fight where I'd gone to interview Haney and Rock and I had a nice time to sit and chat with each other for a while. We hadn't caught up in a while. Here's the thing about Hasim Rockman Sr. that I know for sure. This is a man who says it like it is. He doesn't pull punches outside the ring when it comes to how he feels. If he said that about his son, you know, he said it for a reason. And uh, the son didn't seem, Hasim Jr. did not seem offended by it. He seemed to acknowledge it and to agree with it. And you know what? If Rock's going to give a little tough love to his kid, uh, good to be before the biggest fight of his career, a chance to, to become, uh, you know, more than, more, to become known for more than just being, uh, you know, the, the fighting son of the former heavyweight world champion. Well, and again, it's the it's the biggest payday he's probably ever going to see. It's easily three or four times, maybe more the money that he's made. We'll see how serious he takes it or not. I promise now we move on. Again, uh, Zerto Ramirez, if I did not mention that name, the conversation with Dan, a one-on-one -on -one conversation with the WBA's top light heavyweight is upcoming on this podcast. Previews of the weekend fights in a little bit. Couple of other news items from this week, including, hey, I'm all for this. Bam Rodriguez going to be right back in the ring. Speaking of Canelo, Canelo Triple G3 coming in September. Bam Rodriguez going to be right back after fighting just a couple of weeks ago, two or three weeks ago, right back in September. Dan, tell us more about what's going on here on the undercard. Listen, that was the first uh, undercard fight that was formally announced by Matchroom. It's the co-feature. Uh, they know that they have a future star on their hands with Bam Rodriguez, who is young, and fresh and uninjured and rearing to go and frankly not making the kind of purses that make it onerous to put him in those positions at this point in his career. He's still making uh, good money for him, but you know, in the low six figures, 
uh, which makes it economically viable to put them in those positions. And they're going to make them into a bigger star. And so to be uh, on a Canelo undercard on pay-per-view, you know, in that position on Mexican Independence Day weekend, him being, of course, Mexican-American, uh, you know, with the number one Mexican star in the sport uh, in Canelo in the main event. It's just an, it's a tremendous opportunity for this kid, 22 years old, the youngest active title holder in the sport, uh, going to be his third title fight of the year. And the, the idea is here, keep, keep the, keep the, um, the excitement, keep the chains moving, you know, keep building your profile, uh, keep out there in front of the public, be active. I mean, as I have said many times, I wrote it in a column this week, the two best things for a young fighter to do who wants to become a star is to be active and to be in front of the public. Well, he's going to be in front of a lot of people, obviously, on the biggest, you know, one of the biggest cards of the year in the co-feature. And he's going to be active because, like I said, it's his third fight of the year. He came off a big win against Carlos Quadras on short notice, moving up in weight to win the WBC's junior bantamweight title. Came back shortly thereafter, uh, had a spectacular knockout victory, a do dominating performance against Sriseket Sarangvisai, who was supposed to fight Quadras, but pulled out because he was sick. So we gave him the shot. Those are two of the, the OGs, if you will, of that weight class mm. who've been top dogs for a long time, along with Roman Gonzalez and Juan Francisco Estrada. So, okay, he's not taking on a guy of that level in this fight. He's taking on a guy named Israel Gonzalez, but he's a competent professional. He has actually, uh, I believe this will be his fourth chance to fight for a world title at the junior bantamweight division, but he went the distance against Roman Gonzalez. He's fought, you know, he got stopped by Jerwin Ancasas a couple of years ago. You know, he's a good fighter. He just hasn't been able to get over the hump at that level. But for Bam, based on who he's been fighting in the last couple of fights, you know what, sure, it's a little bit of a step down. But if you're fighting three, four times a year, and you're not just fighting once or twice, and one of those fights you slip in is maybe not the, you know, the King Kong opponent or the number one contender, you know, guys are entitled as champions to take optional defenses against somebody in the ratings. And Israel Gonzalez falls into that sort of category of opponent. And, uh, you know, they're getting him to fight, uh, you know, on a, on a big card. And it's a great opportunity for him. It's a great opportunity for Israel Gonzalez. And I suspect it'll be a pretty good fight as long as it lasts. How do you pick against Bam Rodriguez as hot as he is right now? And by the way, I'll just say here, here on being more frequent and fighting and more of these guys need to do that to fight at least a couple times, if not three times in a year. I again make reference. I don't know if we've done this recently or if I've done this with you. Mike Tyson fought six times in a 15 month period when he beat Trevor Burbick and then defended five times after that, including winning the undisputed championship. Again, I say yeah. if Mike Tyson can fight in his heyday and granted, he was not making 30 million per fight in that era. But if he can fight six times in 15 months, if Sugar Ray Leonard going in the, in the way back in the earlier 80s can be fighting three or four times in a year, you can fight more than once in a year. Listen, if go a take champ. a look yeah. in the in the in the in the early to mid 90s. Yeah. Go look at James Tony yes. and his activity level. You know, even more recently. Now, I know they're not at that same level, but look in the last couple of years. Look at the period of time uh, over the last couple of years of the activity level of Emmanuel Neverett when he first won his title. Yes. Look at the activity level of, of it. Now, he's been off a long time now, but when he won the title and he was very active, look at the, 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 the activity level of a Tevin Farmer. And by the way, with Bam Rodriguez, this will be his third fight, of course, in September. And if he goes uh, into that fight, all is well, comes out, wins, no injuries. I would absolutely suspect that he'll fight again before the end of this year, probably in the, like in November, December. Good. And by the way, Canelo demonstrated this too about also, a year ago because he fought Callum Smith. Well, actually about a year and a half ago, he fought. You Callum know, he Smith. fought four times. Yeah. Four times in 11 months. But he, he fought, fought in three, December. But he fought three times in, in like a November, December, like a February and then a May. Hallelujah.
We saw no, here's three the times. thing. He, but here's here's what he did. He fought December against Callum Smith. Yeah. He fought February against Abney Yildirim. He fought May against Billy Joe Saunders. He fought September against uh, 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 Caleb, Caleb Plant. Plant. Yeah. Four times between December and November. Four times in eleven months. That's why he was the fighter of the year for 2021 because three of those fights were in that calendar year. Two of them were unifications, and he became undisputed. That's a big year. We love all of that. Again, we'll get to Zerto Ramirez in just a second. Another announcement, uh, top-ranked boxing, uh, making a couple of announcements. And again, we'll get to the top-ranked car that's coming Friday night on ESPN. But this one involves Jose uh, Pedraza. It also involves uh, Jared Real Big Baby Anderson, the heavyweight. Tell me more, Dan, about what they're announcing and how soon here for these guys. Well, what Top Rank did uh, on Thursday was they made official fight that's been widely reported over the last couple of weeks by myself and others that uh, that Jose Pedraza and Richard Comey, former lightweight title holders, now fighting in the junior welterweight division, both coming off uh, hard luck losses. They are coming back to fight each other in the 10-round main event of uh, the uh, top rank card on August 27th in Tulsa, Oklahoma. It was supposed to be in July. Uh, they they uh, top rank. They switched around a couple of dates. So that fight is now set officially for August 27th. And Jared Anderson, who's probably the not probably he is the number one heavyweight prospect in boxing, certainly among American heavyweights, uh, an undefeated fighter from Toledo, Ohio, just uh, uh, had a, had a hand injury in his last fight, so he hadn't fought since the end of last year. So he's coming back, and it will be his first 10 round fight in the co-future of that card. I mean, and here's the reality: had he not been injured, the fight that would be taking place. Uh, in August would probably be his third fight of the year, possibly. So he missed two spots. He basically missed two fights while he was rehabbing the injury. So this is not a matter of money. This is not a matter of, of, uh, of a problem with a manager or a problem with a promoter or a lack of motivation or anything along those lines. Jared Anderson is, is uh, hungry and wants to get back in the ring. And his opponent is not necessarily a top level guy. Uh, Milan Arova Kanan, uh, you know, a good record, 24 and two, um, not, not a well-known heavyweight, but again, it's, it's baby steps as a, a young kid. There's no reason to rush a guy like Anderson. He's only 22 years old and uh, has a massive future in front of him. He's been scoring one knockout after the other. He's 11 and 0 with 11 knockouts. He got massive uh, experience and work in the sparring uh, with Tyson Fury for his last couple of fights, not the Dylan white fight. Cause he was still injured. Um, but the previous two fights against Deontay Wilder, matter of fact, before he suffered the injury, he was, you know, Bob Aram had said to me when they finalized the Tyson Fury Dylan White fight, he said to Bob, "Get Jared Anderson over here. I want him in my camp." And Jared was supposed to be on the undercard of Fury versus Dylan White again, but because of the injury, he he was not able to be involved in that show. All right, so we're anxious to see him back. Good info on the fights that are upcoming. Good segue right now. Speaking of upcoming, this guy wants an upcoming title shot opportunity. Speaking of Dimitri Bivol, with Dimitri Bivol at light heavyweight, Zerdo Ramirez, Gilberto Zerdo Ramirez, number one contender in the WBA. Dan spoke with him earlier this week. Their conversation right now here is part of our show. All right, I want to bring in my guest on our podcast now. It is none other than the undefeated, 44-0 with 30 knockouts, light heavyweight contender Gilberto Zerto Ramirez, the former WBO super middleweight champion, now the mandatory challenger for the WBA light heavyweight title. Zerto, thank you very much for joining me today. How you been? I'm, I'm been good. Uh, thank you for having me, and it's a, a pleasure for me to be a, a, the mandatory now, and I'm ready, ready to go. Well, that's, that's the main topic, sort of uh, one of the news items of the week in boxing is that uh, the WBA has now ordered Dimitri Bivol 
who is the WBA 175 pound champion to fight you in his next fight. They sent out the letters uh, earlier in the week. They gave uh, the two sides, uh, I believe it was until uh, sometime August the 10th to make a deal with the order of purse bid. When you found out that they ordered the purse bid, or rather that they ordered the fight, uh, what was your initial feeling? Because I know you've been chasing him for a while. Yeah, I know, and it's like two years already, and I'm, I mean, I'm, I feel great, and and when I saw the the the, the letter, it was great for me because that's the, the that's the, the opportunity that I've been waiting, and I want to be, uh, I will going to become a two-time world champion, and this is my time. Now they gave you about a month to make a deal. You think the two sides can do it in a gentlemanly like way, or you think this is going to wind up at a at a purse bid battle? Well, but, but I don't I don't know, and I don't care. I just want if 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 they if supposed to they want to find me and and let's do it right. And I don't know if they want to do for a, a purse bid or they want to try working on it. And I don't know, but the the time is coming now. It's it's my time. Now, his promoter, the Bebo's promoter, Eddie Hearn, was just recently talking about how he'd like to do Dimitri against uh, his fighter, Joshua Boazzi. And I wonder, had you heard that? And when you heard about sort of what was in his mind, did you at all have concerns that maybe the WBA would not order this fight? Yeah, and uh, well, I know that he didn't want to fight me. He, uh, 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 Eddie Hearn, he didn't want to. He will find me because he's a he's a big big risk and he want to uh, try to work working on with his fighter, but the time has come, right? And it's it's my time, it's my opportunity. I earn it, and that's, that's that's I love it. I love it. Now, just before you and I got on this interview uh, earlier today, I was texting with Vadim Kornilov, who was Dmitry Bivol's manager. And I, you know, to get his opinion, you know, his point of view about the WBA ordering the fight. And I'll read you the quote from him, what he told me. He says, yes, we are hoping that now the fight finally happens. We have been waiting and Dimitri wants this fight. What do you think about that? That says to me anyway, you know, it's one thing for Eddie to say something. But when Vadim, the manager, says that, uh, you know, I, I don't have any reason to think he's not telling the truth about it and that they're looking to do the match. Yeah, of course. Uh, uh, they, want, they want to fight me. I want to fight him. And... Uh, I think the money, the the, the money wise, it, it will be good for both of us, and because people want to see this fight, and Mexico versus Russian, he beat uh, Canelo, and people want want to see the the someone revenge uh, for for Canelo, right? And and for Mexican people, they they will love this fight, and and me too, and I want to fight with the best, and and he's one of the best, and and, and I'm so. Not, uh, you mentioned, of course, that he's coming off that very big victory, uh, retaining his title against uh, Canelo, who was the undisputed champion at Super Middleweight. He moved up to take the fight. Uh, did you watch that fight? And if so, what did you think of, of his performance against Canelo? Well, I watched the fight, and I knew that, that he was going to uh, give some trouble to Canelo. And, but I didn't expect that he, he would win like, like that. And, and Canelo, he was uh, tired. He was uh, uh, doing really good, but at the end of the day, he he lost the fight, and, and he did a, a really good performance, Dimitri Ball, and and uh, I, I knew that, that he would give something trouble to to Canelo. 
Now, you've been chasing him around, as we mentioned, for the last year and a half or so to try to get this fight with Bivol. I know that there was some conversation before he ended up taking the Salomov fight. He ended up, obviously, getting the big opportunity against Canelo. My question for you, though, uh, Zerto, is what was it about Bivol that made you want to chase him for a title shot as opposed to maybe trying after Joe Smith, maybe trying after a better BF? Uh, what was it about Bivol? Was it just because you both fight on the same platform? Was there some other reason that he was in your target instead of those other two guys with the titles? Well, the beginning he was because he called me out and he pulled something in his page and he said that he want to fight me. And then I I was like, okay, I want to fight him too. And and then we, we're the same platform, a different promoter, but uh, that's the main reason that we can make, make it easy that fight, right? And people want to see that, that fight too. But uh, at the end of the day, maybe... I will, I will, I will fight this, uh, um, this guy, Dimitri Wall. I will, I will become two-time world champion, and then I will chase the the, the next uh, uh, opponent is a uh, better bit. Well, that would be one hell of a fight, also. Um, if you if you and Bivol actually are able to get this done and, and get in the ring, uh, hopefully by the end of this year, how do you think that how do you think that fight would go? What kind of fight would it be? I know you think you'll win the fight, but what type of fight do you think it would play out as? I think uh, uh, it will be a firework because uh, uh, I'm throwing the b-ball and um, we, we're uh, stronger guys and we have like my good mind mindset too and I think it will be like a like really, really good fight for both of us. And I think uh, the people will win this fight. People, people want to see those kind of type of fights and it will, it will be really amazing. How, how disappointed were you when, I mean, I know you probably can't begrudge him or be upset that he got the opportunity uh, to make the money and have that kind of magnitude of a fight against Canelo. But how disappointed were you that that went through instead of you and him hooking up this past spring? Well, at the beginning, I was a little sad because I, I, earned, the fight, I, earned, I earned the fight and I was like trying to fight him and try to fight for, for a title fight. But uh, at the end, it was good because he beat Canelo, and it was a, a really huge, huge win and for him. And now, everyone will see uh, Sordo Ramirez. He's a, a really good fighter, and and he's the best in light heavyweight. Now, I know your motivation to go in the ring with him is to beat him so you can become a world champion again. But would part of your motivation, at least a little bit, be to avenge Canelo's loss for your Mexican people? Well, it, it will be a revenge too, revenge for for all the, 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 the Mexican people. So you have now, uh, you, you were champion at super middleweight. You, you've now been fighting for the last few years, or last two or three years as a, as a light heavyweight. And you, you look very good in the new weight class. You've been scoring knockouts uh, more regularly, uh, been in exciting fights compared to some of the fights at super middleweight. And I wonder, when I watch you fight, it feels like you're more explosive with your punches as a light heavyweight than you were as a super middleweight. Do you agree with that? Do you feel like you're more powerful and that you carry your power better in the heavier weight than you maybe because you were, you know, trying to make the weight at super middleweight, that that was more of the focus than on the power? What is it that you're so much more explosive in this weight class than you were as a super middleweight? Yeah, that's the thing that, that I was worried to to make weight in 168. Now I'm 75. I'm making weight easy and 
and I've been putting, I've been putting a more weight, lifting, and eating eating better, and I think that's a, that's the key too. Your last three fights uh, have been knockouts, and they've all been pretty impressive. You had the knockout against Sullivan Barrera, former title challenger, who uh, you know gave Bivol a tough fight before getting knocked out. Yonias Gonzalez, very exciting match. And then, of course, the May fight uh, that just was one week after uh, Bivol had the big win over Canelo when you knocked out Dominic Bosell in another eliminator. Um, how do you feel about your recent performances? Because I don't think there's anything to be critical about. Well, I... I've been I've, I've been feeling like I'm the best in light heavyweight and my performance and and stronger and I mean I, I feel like really like complete fighter. And was there anything in particular about uh, being motivated because they were eliminators? You had to fight back to back eliminators, you know, not just one to to, to lock in your opportunity with uh, Demetri Bivol. Were you sort of annoyed that you had to fight two instead of just one? Well, the beginning, the beginning was like a little frustrated for me, but at the end of the day, now it's, it's my time now that the, the opportunity come, and I feel great for that, and I feel like like the the, the time is it was right, and I feel like like I'm so excited for for this. So, how happy were you that after Bivol beat Canelo, that Canelo did not opt for the rematch because he had the contractual right to have an immediate rematch with Bebo. He opted to bypass that and instead go in the direction of a third fight with Triple G, uh, Gennady Golovkin, and that made Bebo available because if he had accepted the rematch uh, or if Canelo had asked for the rematch, he would have been obligated to fight him. Now, Bebo is free and clear to fight you. So do you, you want to send uh, Canelo a thank you note <laughs> to say thanks for passing on the fight so I can get my opportunity? Well, the thing is, it is... Uh, I, I, will, I will say thank you to Ganel because he didn't take the the, the clause the the rematch and, and and you say like he had the clause clause in the like right right next to the the, the fight but I think it's a uh, uh, smart for them because he lost the first one if he lost the second one and then it will be bad for him but now he will fight a triple G I think he will he will win this fight. With the triple G, but uh, now time to let him let him become a, another world champion, a, another Mexican. And so, assuming you guys can get this fight together, whether there's a first fit or not, uh, in your perfect situation, when do you think you and Bivol would be fighting each other? I think October. I think by, by October we we can. Uh, if if we don't if we agree agree with something. Right away, I think we can be October because uh, uh, September is Canelo, the, uh, like the middle, and then we can it can be from the beginning October or or the end. I don't know, but I mean, I don't know when, but I think soon this year it will happen. This fight. Well, if you can get it done this year, it will just be another tremendous fight on the calendar in a year that's already seen a lot of the big fights probably speak for most boxing fans when I say I'm very much looking forward to seeing you and Bebo hook up in a, an outstanding uh, matchup for one of the light heavyweight titles. Uh, Zerto Ramirez, thank you very much for joining me today. I very much appreciate it. Best thank of luck to you. Thank you so much. All right, again, and the impetus of that is my man Rayfield is all over this. You, you immediately picked up the bat phone to find Zerto Ramirez after he got named as the mandatory challenger 
for Bevel earlier in the week. I know the De La Hoya Golden Boy side is optimistic that this is going to happen. Uh, you are, like I am, somebody from the show me state, even though we don't live in Missouri. Show me that this is going to happen. All right, now that you've had that conversation with Zerto, what do you think about whether he gets Bevel coming up? I do think it happens. And the reason, and you heard me say to uh, Zerto during the interview, he, and by the way, he was already the mandatory. Mm-hmm. It was just that the WBA finally ordered the fight. Uh, he had won two eliminators. But nonetheless, uh, once Canelo Alvarez turned down uh, or pa- bypassed his rights to an immediate rematch with Bivol and opted instead to go for the third fight with Triple G that was already agreed to anyway, uh, the question became, okay, they ordered Bivol to, to make the mandatory defense against Zerto. Of course, Ramirez and Golden Boy and his team, they were going to take the fight. That's what they've been chasing for the last 18 months or so. Uh, the question was, would Bivol be amenable to do that? And would they try to get an exception? Would they vacate? Would they do something else? Whatever. Uh, but as I mentioned to Bivol, right before I got on the interview with Dimitri to talk to him, I had a uh, text exchange with Vadim Kornilov, who was the manager for Dimitri Bivol. And I asked him, I said, hey, you know, I know you guys just were ordered to make the mandatory defense against Bivol. You know, I, I'm paraphrasing what I said. I remember what I wrote to him. I said, but like, what's your thought on that? What's your take on that? Are you, are you guys willing to do it? And uh, as I said to, uh, to, to uh, Zerto in the interview, he's, he told me that, yes, that's what they plan to do uh, and that, that they, want, they want the fight. So if you have the manager of the, of the champion saying we're good and we're going to talk to them, we're going to try to do the fight, and you have the challenger that's desperate for the fight, um, you know, there's – I mean, look, it's a long way from that, those comments to a signature. Sure. But they both fight on the same platform, zone. It's a mandatory defense. I can't fathom Dimitri Bivol is going to give up the title. Um, you know, and they have uh, a time period in which to negotiate if they can't make a deal by the end of that negotiation period. Uh, theoretically, uh, the date of that, by the way, is August the 10th. They'll go to a purse pit and, you know, what do you made think the most of lucrative step aside? Win. What do you think of step aside money where Eddie Hearn comes forward and says, Hey guys, this is a dangerous fight, Dimitri, for you that if you lose it, take the step aside money, Zerto. Let us fight somebody else. You will eventually get a title shot. I already see the look on your face. You don't think that's very realistic, do you? Well, I, it's not that it's not realistic. I mean, it, that, that's always a possibility. It, I look at it like this, and it's not just in boxing. It's in life. Somebody comes to you with an idea and wants to discuss something. I'm always willing to listen to the offer. And then you have to weigh what the offer is. If they come mm-hmm. and they say, you know, we'll give you $100,000 to step aside. No, thanks. Give me my fight. They come to you and they say, we're going to give you a million and a half dollars to step aside. <laughs> now you go, you talk to your wife and you probably be stepping aside. So, I'm you know, those, those, I'm still listening. I'm still here. Yep, I yeah. Like I mean, that. so I don't think that will happen because I don't think it's worth the, the fight that Dimitri Bivol could have in the interim. I'm not sure is big enough to warrant some kind of enormous step aside. In other words, this is not Mike Tyson paying Lennox Lewis $4 million to step aside from a heavyweight mandatory title challenge. So he could go fight for $30 million against like Bruce Seldon or whatever it was. Right. Right. It's not that kind of situation. So one would suspect, and Dimitri Bivol is a competitor. He's a top champion as a, you know, Zerto has been an, is an undefeated fighter. He's the number one contender and he's earned the number one contender. Nobody gave it to him. Nobody just manufactured him into the spot. Uh, I think that's a fight that 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 uh, DAZN would definitely be interested in. It's look that if you're DAZN and you're in the business of acquiring subscribers and retaining subscribers, you must give them product. And right now, a big big part of their of their uh, schedule is boxing. A fight between Dimitri Bivol 
and Zerto Ramirez is a fight that I can't fathom. Any boxing fan would say, oh, that's terrible. Or I don't want to see that. That's the type of thing. If you already subscribe, you're definitely keeping your sub for that month. Yep. And if you're not subscribing, you're like, you know, they're giving me that and I'm getting this and I'm getting this and I'm getting that. I got to subscribe to the zone. I mean, that's how you do it. And that is a A-level first class uh, championship fight. It may not be, you know, a super mega fight. It's not a Mayweather fighter, a Pacquiao fighter, a Canelo or whatever. But that's about in boxing right now in terms of just quality matchups between one versus two-ish type of guys. That's about as good as it gets right now. I mean, obviously, Arthur Beterbiev is number one in that weight class. And, you know, but he's off fighting Anthony Yard probably in the fall. So, you know, it's not like if he fights Bivol, uh, Bivol fights Zerto, it's somehow preventing some other bigger fight. The Beterbiev fight is not there right now for, for him at the moment. So bring it on, I say. And I can't imagine that DAZN would not be uh, interested and, and ready to open up the checkbook to a degree. And, uh, Again, both sides are on the record saying they want the fight. So we'll see what happens. I, I'm, so much I'm, op I'm optimistic that it gets done before the end I of this like year. It. It's so much better a fight than the Boazzi fight. It's ridiculous. Oh, a it's thousand percent. Of, and it's a dangerous fight for Bevel. So we, and by the way, I don't blame Eddie Hearn for throwing Boazzi's name in there. Because even if he knows in reality Boazzi's not going to get the fight right away, he's doing his job as a right. promoter. Eddie is sure. a Love him or hate him. Eddie Hearn is a great promoter. Promote. He's promoting Buatzi. He's putting his name in the conversation with the top champion. We're talking about it. Everybody else that, that heard him say that uh, is talking about it. So while his guy may not get the fight, he's helping him gain a little bit more recognition. They'll use it as a as a hammer when it comes time for Buatzi's next fight. Well, we wanted to fight for the title against Bevo. We didn't get the opportunity. And they'll use that to help build up the next fight. I mean, I get it. I mean, this is not my first rodeo. Well said on all that. Nice job with the interview with Zerto Ramirez. That's why we love Dan Rayfield's our content partner. We have one thing left to do, and it's a big thing. Go over Ryan Garcia's main event on the DAZN Golden Boy Show. We're doing that next. We're back on Big Fight Weekend. Now, here's your host, TJ Reeves. We are back in once more. So much about the sweet science on this show. Love Dan's insight every which way. Uh, again, Zerto Ramirez, you heard from in this interview. You know, speaking of Eddie Hearn, we heard from Eddie Hearn previously on this podcast. The likes uh, of, uh, of Ryan Garcia, who's uh, in this main event for DAZN and Golden Boy. We've had him on uh, before and on and on. Uh, Amir Khan on his retirement, etc. If you are subscribing or following this podcast feed, you'll automatically get notifications when these great conversations happen or if they're part, like, for example, of this Big Fight Weekend preview. Uh, etc. for this weekend. So uh, kudos again, my friend. Continue to do the great job. Hey, one quick thing before we get uh, to uh, Garcia Fortuna and also the top-ranked ESPN show that has uh, Barbosa and Zoria that are fighting in California as well in the Friday night main event uh, before uh, the Garcia fight in Los Angeles on the Saturday night main event. I haven't given you the opportunity on this podcast. I went back and watched it since you and I have talked last, the anniversary, the 26th anniversary of Bo Galata and uh -huh. the mayhem after the fight. And we can talk about this now that we laugh at it. And so, but, I mean, it was a scary thing at the time. It was a crazy thing at the time uh, after Galata was disqualified and the, the entourage, the – the hangers-on of Riddick Bowe ran into the ring, some of his security people, Rock Newman, his promoter. Then the thing went totally out of control around the around the uh, ringside area with fights breaking out, no security, NYPD not there. All right, 
So I said some things on the Top Heavyweights uh, podcast midweek about it and the craziness. You have the platform here for 60 seconds looking back on that. It is still one of the craziest scenes ever in boxing after a fight. There's no doubt. And this was the anniversary this week. Absolutely as wild as it gets. Uh, I mean, it was before my time covering boxing. I was working at that time as a reporter uh, in uh, Binghamton, New York, uh, not covering boxing, covering other things, local sports, minor league baseball, college sports, et cetera, auto racing. Mm -hmm. um, but I remember it. And uh, I know I remember watching it. I, I watched it live. Um, Me too. I never seen anything quite like that. And, and in, in the years since then, in my time at ringside as a, as a reporter covering boxing, I've obviously never been involved in a situation like that, but there've been a couple of times where things have happened and you wonder to yourself, Oh my God, this may break into that. So as an example, I was thinking, having like thoughts of that and flashbacks of that when I was sitting ringside for Floyd Mayweather against Zab Judah. Yes. And they had the incident where, where uh, Zab had, uh, had hit Mayweather low and his, his uh, Roger Mayweather came into the ring to complain and it became a whole big thing. And then Judah's father came in the ring. Yeah. Well, and it, it erupted and we were like a few seconds away from having an all out riot. Now, thankfully for the security folks that were there uh, and the people involved in that arena, they were able to quell that problem, uh, you know, fairly quickly, but for a, a, you know, a minute or two at ringside, it was like, we're going to have a really bad situation. And, were you and in my mind, I'm thinking this front row or again. were you front row or second row in that? I mean, how close were you right there? Front row where you're really looking around going, are there people jumping over? The I was top sitting of like behind the timekeeper. I was in the wow. front. I was like, you know, it might've been the second row or the front row, but I was like within. And there are people know, jumping around you and jumping to try to get up in yes. the ring. Oh. Here, okay. I remember this vividly as, as you know, us starting the conversation, you know, a few minutes ago. When I was looking at what was going on, there was a security guard stationed at the at the ring by the stairs where the okay. trainers and the fighters and everybody would go into the ring uh, in front of the press area. And there was somebody from the crowd that tried to go into the ring. And the, and the cop looked him dead in the eye and he was right by me and I could catch his eye also. And he just patted his side and he was patting his gun that was in the holster. <laughs> and I'm like, that's, that's a bad situation way to happen. But the guy saw him pat the gun and stopped advancing towards the ring. So again, the folks in Nevada and in Las Vegas at that fight, they did a great job taking care of that very quickly. But in New York for the Bogota, there was no security. Right. They were not in the ring. The NYPD not there. You go back and watch uh, all the post-fight stuff and, and months yeah. later and days later in the legendary now, night. I'll tell you another thing. They weren't so, there. The NYPD was not even there because, as they said, they didn't ask us to be there. They wanted private security to be able to handle it. We weren't there. And they didn't come in because of the continued violence around the ring, even after the fighters had left. They didn't come in until almost 20 minutes after the fight had ended. Right. Like it was it's a, a, it's a private arena. event. It's not like it's a public thing. There was there wasn't there. There's any private event is, you know, they could have asked the city for some assistance, but they didn't. Uh, and it was nuts. And now, obviously, because it was on HBO and involved a lot of name uh, people involved, a lot of high profile people in the sport, you know in the years after that happened, I have met many people uh, who had been there. So, you know, I am, I've become friendly over the years, you know, pretty good friends with Jim Lampley and Jim Lampley and I've had the conversation about what went on there. And obviously he's very famous for anchoring the coverage of that and, you know, getting himself upstairs. So to a better position for him to be able to observe what's going on and to report about. It. And we've had conversations about that. Uh, you know, I've talked to George Foreman about that years ago, uh, you know, who was trying to play peacemaker at ringside. Yes. I mean, it was, 
and it, you know, now, like you said, you look back on it and it's like one of those crazy incidents, but while it's happening, people there were scared shitless because it was going to Lou Duva, uh, absolutely. Uh, you know, who did, you know, uh, you know, who was uh, in Galata's corner, you know, the guy looked like he died, like he had a heart attack and yes. they take him out on a gurney. Now, fortunately Lou was okay. Now, obviously he's died, you know, in the years, uh, in the last few years, but you know, a lot of people thought he might not make it through that night. It was a scary thing, and Nevada learned from it as well. And we're moving on here in just a second, because as we ref- referenced on the Top Heavyweights podcast, the Tyson-Holyfield rematch was the following year, June of the following year. And when Tyson had bitten Holyfield's ear and gotten disqualified, he erupted, his corner erupted. And I jokingly said, Dan, and I want your uh, uh, take on my reference, it was like the Great Wall of China or the Great Wall of the MGM Grand. They formed like a diagonal wall of security and cops where that side of the ring was not going to get across to the other side to Holyfield no matter what they were going to do. They were going to have to go through 15 people in a wall. So they learned from that on A, if you have people in the ring, separate them. But the biggest thing is keep people out of the ring. There were 50, 60, 70 people going into the ring, just creating mayhem should have never been allowed to happen with security around the ring. Scary there was stuff. a lot of concern. There might be some kind of issue at the Lennox Lewis, Mike Tyson fight, which I covered in Memphis, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And if people remember that fight, they had a security group in the ring before the opening bell to keep Tyson and Lewis separated because there had been <laughs> the biting incident because Tyson had bitten Lennox on the leg at the press conference that never was right. because it was canceled because of that incident. I mean, I've been in other fights where there's been a heavy dose of security because of the possibility of those types of issues where they have definitely learned their lesson. So, you know, we're, we're I, I mean, obviously you wish that it never happened, but in retrospect, the Bogolata situation that just happened in terms, you know, as far as the anniversary goes, that set out the blueprint for a lot of arenas and promoters through the years to make sure that they are appropriately covered in terms of security to prevent those types of issues from occurring in the future. Amen. Well said on that. Learn from it and move on. And the amazing thing is they fought five months later and Galata was <laughs> beating him again and got disqualified again. It's as biz- up for low blows. Same yeah. thing. Beating him, knocked him down. Tremendous second fight. Riddick Bowe's career is basically over in that second fight with what Galata's doing to him. And he gets disqualified again. And it turns out neither guy was the ne- was never the same anymore after those fights, but it's crazy to contemplate. They did it again, five months later, and he did it again, fouling it <laughs> five months later. Uh, crazy. Wow. All right, let's get into uh, what we have for this weekend. Let's lead off with the main event on the DAZN Golden Boy Show in Los Angeles. Ryan Garcia is back. This fight was supposed to have happened a year ago against veteran contender Javier Fortuna. Uh, Garcia obviously has returned for a fight earlier this year that he won with Emmanuel Tago uh, and was impressive in the decision. Didn't get the knockout. All right, Dan, give me the insight. What do you think about this? What do you think happens in this main event coming on Saturday night to Zone Golden Boy? Well, first of all, it's a long time coming. As I mentioned earlier, it's going to only be it's going to be Ryan's second fight of the calendar year of 2022. He hasn't had two fights in a year since uh, back in 2019. Now, of course, part of that was pandemic related, but also, you know, he pulled out of this fight because of his mental health issues. He was supposed to come back in the fall of last year, but ended up having hand surgery. He was supposed to fight Joseph Diaz Jr. That did not happen. Uh, And he was able to, you know, fortunately come back in April uh, against uh, Emmanuel Tego, like you mentioned. This will be a second fight with uh, Joe Goosen as his trainer. He changed trainers uh, before the Tego fight. Uh, leaving the, the Eddie Reynoso Canelo camp, of which there's been a lot of uh, uh, negativity from both sides talking about what happened there. But 
Um, Joe Goosen is, is, a, is a tremendous trainer, a probable Hall of Fame trainer, in my opinion. Uh, in any event, look, he's coming back. He's fighting Fortuna. Fortuna's a real guy. Um, we're going to find out a lot about Ryan. It's, he's a more credible opponent than Tego is in terms of his experience, in terms of his resume, in terms of his activity level. Um, and, and it's a fight where he should win because, look, Fortuna is a good, solid fighter. I take nothing away from him. I've seen him fight many times. He's, he fought his lowest featherweight. He's fought as heavy as lightweight. Um, you know, he won an interim title. He won a secondary title. Like, he's not a bad fighter. But I don't know if he's got the speed. I don't know if he's got the power. I don't know if he's got necessarily the hunger that a Garcia has to, to score this win. I mean, he's, he's a good B-side in this fight. Uh, he's a credible opponent. I'm not knocking the fight at all. I think it's interesting. But I think it's Ryan Garcia's fight to lose. I'm not sure what Fortuna does that's better than Ryan Garcia. Um, Ryan has sounded good in, in the lead-up to the fight. He certainly looks – I watched some of his uh, media workout that they had on, uh, on the Golden Boy YouTube channel this week. He looks in great shape. And, by the way, that's a hallmark of Joe Goose and fighters – Whatever you think of their technical abilities, uh, perhaps Chris Ariola notwithstanding, <laughs> Joe Goosen's fighters come in tip-top shape most of the time, and uh, Ryan Garcia looked like he is absolutely shredded and ready to go. Um, you know, Fortuna two fights ago did lose to Joseph Diaz Jr. Uh, you know, he scored a, a, a meet, you know a, a knockout in the first round against a journeyman back at home in the Dominican Republic earlier this year but he hasn't really fought a, 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 a real guy since the Joseph Diaz fight. And uh, that was a loss for him. And Diaz, by the way, took Garcia's spot a year ago and, and replaced him in, in what would have been the Garcia Fortuna main event and beat him. But this is a veteran. It's a test. Garcia's heavily favored. He's minus 1,400, 14 to 1 on the BetUS line. Interesting, the knockout prop is also minus 250. So the odds makers think this is a Garcia knockout. Let's bring it right to you. Do you believe the same way here? This is a Garcia knockout waiting to happen? What is your thought? Well, Fortuna, Fortuna's got three losses in his career. He's been stopped once. That was by Jason Sosa, who was a very good puncher. You got to go all the way back to 2016. He stopped him in the 11th round of that fight. It was a fight for a uh, sec, you know, the WBA secondary title at 130 pounds. They fought that fight in Beijing and China. Um, but he's been a pretty durable guy, Fortuna. But Ryan Garcia's got such fast hands, and he's got very good power that a knockout in this fight would not at all surprise me. Uh, Ryan has knocked out guys early. Ryan has come on. Uh, and dropped, you know, even if he doesn't necessarily get the knockout, he's dropped guys like he did against uh, Luke Campbell, for example. I mean, he's just a, he's just a, to me, he's the, he's the superior athlete and he's the superior boxer. Um, you know, Fortuna, I'm not saying he's, he's not an old shot used up guy, but I don't know if he's still in his prime at this point. Again, it's, 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 uh, it's the art of matchmaking. The, you know, he's credible. He's going to come to fight. He's experienced. He's been in the ring with a lot of good guys. He's got a couple of solid wins. But again, in my mind, Ryan Garcia, uh, especially seeing the kind of condition he appeared to be in and feeling the way he is in terms of emotionally being ready for the fight, not you know having been able to deal with his own uh, mental health issues. You know, he's an explo People forget. They just think he's this pretty boy. And, you know, he just spends all his time talking about Gervonta Davis. When he's in the ring and it, the bell goes, man, this guy is a dog, as they say. He scored a lot of spectacular knockouts. He's been knocking out guys that never got knocked out before. He's done it in devastating fashion. He's got a tremendous uh, uh, power in in, uh, in both hands, really. But to me, again, you know, it's not like Fortuna's this great speed demon or this great defensive wizard. You know, he'll give him some work. It's not like I'm thinking Ryan's going to – I don't see this as one of those, you know, first-round knockouts that Garcia has had. But uh, in the end, 
you know, to me, Garcia all day long. All right. Anything on the undercard that strikes you here uh, from the DAZONE Golden Boy Show? Besides that, before we move on to the Friday night top rank card that will be happening, anything else? Well, they have, yeah, they've got their welterweight, Alexis Rocha, who's exciting. Uh, he's got the one loss, 19 and one. You know, I don't know if I consider him the kind of prospect that Golden Boy does. I think they, he's more of like a popular figure in that part of, the, uh, of California. You know, he'll bring in some fans. Um, they've got him in against a, non, a nondescript opponent, Luis Verone. Um, not the greatest co-feature ever saw. I'm a little more interested, frankly, in seeing Lamont Roach, the 130-pound contender. Fought for a world title once, gave a good effort in a, in a competitive loss to Jamel Herring a couple of years ago as a mandatory. Uh, he's also on the, tele, you know, the, the televised part of the card or the, the mainstream, if you will, uh, Angel Rodriguez. I was actually interested by this, by the way. I just realized this uh, when I was checking out my cable guide. Even though the fight's on zone, it's also available. If you don't subscribe to zone and you don't want to subscribe for whatever reason, you can buy it as a one-off pay-per-view, uh, either on your in-demand or through in-demand's online service, pay-per-view.com. So, you know, and if you buy the pay-per-view, they actually give you a month of zone for free. So, you know, I'm not like here shilling for it. I'm just saying it, it is not only on zone. If you feel like watching it, it's there. Um, but anyway, to answer the question, though, I mean, Lamont Roach is a good, classy boxer. He's in a uh, title eliminator against Angel Rodriguez, who's 20 and one. Um, I don't expect that to be some action packed fireworks type of fight, but probably just a good science boxing match. Um, not the most loaded undercard, but again, it's Ryan Garcia in the main event. That's what you're coming for. Quick answer here Garcia wins impressively. How realistic that he could get in front of. Haney after Haney Cambosis or, or Cambosis, if he was to win, how quickly could he get to a title shot? Are we still looking at like the middle of next year before this sorts out for Ryan I mean, Garcia? You think it could be quicker real quick? The, the great thing about the lightweight division, uh, in my mind anyway, maybe not necessarily for fighters who are striving to win a title, but right now Devin Haney has all the titles. So what Devin Haney does is going to be uh, as what these other guys are going to dependent upon if they're going to get a title shot. So as you mentioned, there's supposed to be a rematch between Devin Haney and George Cambosas in November. Uh, that's the mandated rematch that, you know, Cambosas uh, was entitled to based on their contract. So we'll have to see what happens in that fight. Whatever happens in that fight, I think the winner of that fight would be a reasonable opponent uh, for Haney. But, of course, you're going to come into all the usual old bullshit arguments that we see in boxing, you know, whose platform is it on, on the A side, but I've got the titles. Listen, Devin Haney or Cambosas, whoever, against Ryan Garcia for the titles. Ryan Garcia is the A-side in terms of popularity, notoriety, et cetera. But the other guy is the champ. And, you know, how do you figure that all out? It's not easy, particularly when when Cambosis and, and, and Haney are presently aligned with top rank. And also, Lou DeBell is involved, but ESPN terms of their broadcaster. And, and Ryan Garcia is with Golden Boy and on the zone. It's complicated. Unclear to me, please enlighten me if you know, if Haney wins – and wins the rematch, does he still, is he still beholden long-term to top rank for more fights or could Haney, do we not know this? Is it an unknown? No, we know this. Could, could, could Haney fight Garcia, make a one-off and fight Garcia on his own, or is it going to have to be a top rank title fight because he's the undisputed champ? 100%. If Haney is the winner of this fight or the loser of this fight, yeah. he is still bound to top rank, I believe, for at least two more fights. Wow. All right. Top rank has been in business for 50 years. If you become the undisputed champ and they helped you get there, you're not leaving for a couple of fights. They're going to have, and by the way, he shouldn't leave because he made more money to fight George Cambosis than he ever made in his life. And he's going to make just as he's going to make more money in the rematch 
And Top Rank has done nothing but treat him first class. Him and his dad, by all accounts, are very happy with the way things went. He got the victory, and uh, he's he's now the number one lightweight in the world. You know, everybody else, uh, you know, has to go through him in terms of if they won a title shot. And so you say, can Ryan Garcia get a title shot if he wins the fight? You know, that's going to be up to whatever 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 the winner of Haney Cambosis too decides to do. Keeping in mind, of course, there's going to be mandatories that come up. It remains to be seen if the winner is going to be able to hold all four titles without having politics get involved. Now, if one of those titles becomes vacant or they give it up, look, we've seen what happened with Josh Taylor. Josh Taylor was undisputed at 140 pounds, had all four belts. They order the WBA to make some cockamamie mandatory. He doesn't make it. He gets stripped. They're making a vacant title fight that's on Showtime in August. Then, then another title gets stripped. They're doing, they order Jose Ramirez to fight uh, Zapata for that vacant title. And so it is absolutely conceivable that regardless of the outcome of Haney versus Cambosis, that ultimately that winner will not be able to keep all the belts for various reasons. And some become vacant and perhaps Ryan Garcia and other of the top lightweight contenders will then be in the position to fight for one of those vacant belts. All right. We'll find out if that's the case. One more before we're done real quick. ESPN top rank show Temecula, California is where this one will be on Friday night, but ESPN will be showing it. Arnold Barboza in action against Danalito Zoria. These are unbeaten junior welterweights. Barboza has more wins. Zoria obviously is an up and comer out of Puerto Rico. They're flight. They're fighting in Barboza's backyard for the main event. 10 round main event fight is scheduled what are your thoughts on this one real quick? It's a pretty even fight on the bet us line. What are your thoughts, Dan? Yeah, listen, it's a good, it's a good solid matchup. I'm not saying it's like overwhelming, but it's a dead of summer. There's not a lot going on. Uh, you got two undefeated guys, uh, you know, a Mexican American against a Puerto Rican. So they've been talking up Mexico versus Puerto Rico in the build up to the fight. Look, Barbosa's 26 and 0. Zuri is uh, uh, um, 16 and 0. Mm -hmm. He's promoted by Miguel Cotto's company. Uh, Barbosa obviously was, is with top rank. As you mentioned, he's fighting in his home area. You know, it just shapes up like a very solid fight, you know, where and the winner of the fight is going to put himself in a great position because top rank is deeply involved at 140. They obviously promote Josh Taylor, who's the uh, the unified champion. They promote Tiafimo Lopez, the former lightweight champion, who's getting ready to make his junior welterweight debut in August. Um, they have other fighters in that weight class. And, and the winner of this fight, particularly if it's Barbosa because he's with top rank, is going to put himself right in the mix for one of those types of fights. So uh, there's, it's not an official eliminator. It's not, it's not something along those lines. It's not for a world title, but it's like a de facto eliminator because if Barbosa or Desiree, the winner, whoever wins, is going to put himself in a legit position and say, look, I just beat this other undefeated dude. You know, I want my opportunity. And, you know, Barbosa, he's coming off a long layoff. He had, this will be his first fight in, uh, since last August, but he's put together like a decent little group of victories. He, he has a win against Antonio Moran, who's always a tough out. He has the win against Saucedo, who had fought for the world title. You know, he beat like the solid vet, Tony Luis. Like he's, he's making his way. This is maybe a little bit of a step up. You know, Zaria is undefeated, hasn't really faced necessarily the level of opposition, but he got a good win against Pablo Cesar Cano, who people know as a, you know, a, an exciting brawler that has that KO one against Jorge Linares from a couple of years ago. He beat Medayev on the old, on the, uh, on the, uh, on Puerto, you know, on, on, in Puerto Rico back uh, early part of last year, just, you know, good solid fight. I would make Barbosa the slight favorite flip a coin. Hope he get a good match. Who cares who wins? I want to see some action on the ESPN card. Yep. All right. So that is Friday night again with the understanding as we release the podcast on Friday, you may be listening on Saturday. You already know, was that a great fight? Was it a dud? Whatever the case is, uh, we do our best. 
It's just interesting. And and I know you're big on this. It's interesting that we don't get them both on the same night at the same time. I know you're big on that. We get to see the Friday night show and then we get to see the Saturday night show. They don't conflict. Absolutely. And I'll say this in terms of the rest of that top rank card. Um, there's two other fights on the main. I mean, all the, all the, all the fights are on ESPN plus, but the two other fights on the main card, um, may not be the most competitive, biggest fights ever, but they're two guys that everybody should keep an eye on. First of all, I'm a big fan and been following him for a while, been talking him up for a while is, uh, Raymond Moritaya, the lightweight up and comer 14 and 0 trained by Robert Garcia has looked really good in recent fights. He was able to step into the main card when Keyshawn Davis, uh, came became ill and was not able to do the fight, and they just put him in with Keyshawn's opponent because Moritai was on the on the uh, preliminary part of the card, didn't have an opponent just yet, so he just goes right up into that eight rounder, and then it's the second professional fight of the heavyweight was from that area, Richard Torres Jr. I I believe Richard Torres is undersized to be a serious contender at heavyweight. He disagrees, and his father disagrees, and we had a good laugh about that when I saw those guys not that long ago. Uh, but one thing about Richard Torres, he's going to make good TV fights. Unfortunately, he suffered a cut in his professional debut. It, it kept him out for a few months. He probably would have had at least one more fight since then. But he's back. The cut's better. And, uh, you know, he just comes to throw bombs. He's exciting. And, you know, he gave a great account of himself in the Olympic final. He lost to Jalilov, who was a yep. very experienced, much older, much bigger, much more experienced uh, fighter than he was. And having been previously knocked out by Jalilov in, in like the first round of an amateur fight, to come back and make it competitive a couple of years later in the Olympic final. Uh, it shows the type of uh, improvements that the kid made. And, uh, you know, he's, he's going to give it a go. We'll see if he can do anything at heavyweight, but it's going to be fun to watch the, the, the journey. And, and Moritaya feels like to me um, is a guy that maybe not is not the kind of guy that comes into the professional ranks with a ton of hype with a, with an Olympic pedigree or that type of thing. He's going into their pros with the type of hype of a Shakur Stevenson when he turned pro or when Keyshawn Davis turned pro or some of these other younger fighters and Oscar Valdez, when he turned pro out of the Olympics, but Moritaya is, is a, a guy that doesn't have that kind of background. But if you watch his fights, you watch me say, this kid is improving with every match. He's got a great team behind him and he's exciting. And he's, he's, he's technically skilled and he likes to rumble. He's got good power. I don't really see any major flaws in his game thus far. I think he's going places and uh, he'll get a chance to be seen by a lot of people on Friday night. All right. That again is a Friday night fight card, ESPN top rank. The DAZN Golden Boy Show is Saturday night at the Crypto.com Arena, the former Staples Center, the downtown LA arena. Let's see how full that is for Ryan Garcia, who is obviously a massive uh, fan favorite in that area too. Two fight cards in SoCal. That's for sure. Uh, A couple of other notes. Again, uh, we make mention as we release this podcast, depending on when you're hearing us here, we're live on BetUS TV, giving you uh, some more intensive gambling advice on the fights for this weekend. BetUS TV's platforms, BetUSTV.com, the BetUS app, BetUS YouTube page. Find us live at 1 Eastern time, 10 Pacific, 1 Eastern time on BetUS. We're rolling along. You were 4-2 and with the picks last week. I was 3-1. and with the picks last week uh, as well. So they want to hang out on the bet us uh, show and they can watch that obviously later in the day or on Saturday, but just join us live, live, uh, live on Twitter. Also, they can live watch it. on Twitter as well. Join us there at one Eastern time, depending on when you're hearing us or, or catch the encore whenever you like on demand on YouTube and more and more are finding you are finding you and me on that platform. And again, rate us and review us as we get out of here because you're still giving away, speaking of that Haney Cambosis one, you're giving away a fight poster. We're going to give it away to somebody at random that has rated us and reviewed us since the beginning of June 
all the way through July here. Continue to five-star rate us and review us on Apple Podcast. Screenshot it. Tag Dan at uh, Twitter. Tag Big Fight Weekend at Twitter so that we will see you, that you rated and reviewed the podcast. And we're going to draw somebody at random here coming up shortly to get that fight poster. So two more housekeeping things. And now we're on to another weekend of fights, my friend. On to another, on to another weekend. Looking forward to it. I am looking forward to it as well. Dan, great stuff. We'll catch you on the BetUS show. We'll catch you on the Fight Freaks Unite recap on this podcast feed with whatever happens. How quickly does Garcia get rid of Javier Fortuna or not? Is it an exciting ESPN top-ranked main event or not? We'll recap all of it off the weekend. Dan, thank you. Enjoy the fights, brother. Appreciate it. You too, my man. Talk to you later. There we go. I'm merely TJ Reeves. Again, follow or subscribe to the Big Fight Weekend Preview here. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. For now, we're good here on the Big Fight Weekend Preview. Bye.